Good afternoon, MedVet listeners. This is Keith. Here with Marcus. And we are coming at you from the Cameron Social Studios. And today we're speaking with Ashley Miller from the National Breast Cancer Foundation. Yes, so Ashley is actually going to be our last segment for Breast Cancer Awareness Month. I'm very positive that she's going to drop a lot of useful information. You're very positive? Very positive. Okay. You know, so I saved the best for last. Alrighty. All right. So make sure you guys stay tuned and listen up. The Force is with you, young Skywalker. But you are not a Jedi yet. Ashley Miller from the National Breast Cancer Foundation in Dallas, or is it just worldwide? Yeah, so we're headquartered in Frisco, Texas, actually, but we have a presence in all 50 states throughout the the U.S. Excellent, excellent. Well, thanks for joining us, Ashley. So would you mind just starting off letting our listeners know a little bit about what what the chapter, like, what, how did you get involved first, and what does the chapter entail? Like, what is it you guys really do, and what kind of changes are you trying to make? Yeah, so personally, I actually was introduced to National Breast Cancer Foundation. My my prior career in history was really in the sports world, and I spent a good part of my career with Donnie Nelson and the Dallas Mavericks and the Texas Legends, formerly the D-League, now the G-League. And the really cool thing about that experience is that they dedicate all of their home games to charity. And one of the charities that I was fortunate to spend a lot of time working with was National Breast Cancer Foundation. And when I found out that I was pregnant with my daughter, I knew that um, for my family, I was going to need a little bit more of a work-life balance. Um, You know, was the vice president of the basketball team and doing the sideline reporting. So there's just a lot that came with that from, you know, 7 a.m. till midnight most days. And so I decided it was really time for a work-life balance for our family. And the beautiful thing about being pregnant with a daughter is I knew that I needed to do something that would leave a legacy, not only for her, it allowed me to take a step back and decide how I could give back. And so nonprofit was great for me. And I knew the Hale family, like I said, from working with them at least one game a year during, during our basketball season, that they are just a very amazing family that started the National Breast Cancer Foundation, believe it or not, 30 years ago. And it was started around their kitchen table as a family. And they're now in the boardroom of some of the biggest corporations in the world. So it's a really cool, cool story. Yeah, that that is a really cool story, actually. (laughs) Do you have any family history with breast cancer that, that kind of drives your passion? You know, it's, it's crazy. I personally don't have family members that have been impacted by breast cancer, but the unfortunate reality is that we all know someone. We know that one in eight women will be diagnosed in their lifetime. So the statistics are really staggering and, and honestly really sad. An interesting thing, though, when I started working at National Breast Cancer Foundation and educated myself on, you know, just the stats. And again, becoming a mother really makes you want to put your health first, not only for Mm. for my husband, but certainly for my children. When I went in and got the genetic testing done, they did find just a really abnormal finding of one of the genes. So mine was BRIP1. 
So much of what you hear are the BRCA genes, right? That can be an indicator that breast cancer could be, you know, a part of, of somebody's journey. My abnormality was BRIP1, which essentially means the doctors at UT Southwest will take something like that because there's not enough evidence as to what that particular hormone means and that abnormality. And they're going to stick it on a shelf. And as science progresses, they're going to go back and say, we know this, you know, they, they call me once a year and say, Ashley, it, it's not positive. It's not negative. It's just something. Wow. And so it's been an interesting experience. So to you're, learn you're, about that. You're, you're an actual walking, living test subject. There you go. I'll take it. <laughs> yeah. I'll take it. No, sorry. No offense taken, but that's it's pretty interesting. Truth. Wow. Yeah. Yeah. On, on our episodes, we've had a husband of someone who had breast cancer. We had the mm-hmm. wife. We've had someone that and our oncology an oncologist doctor. come on mm-hmm. and just really give those multifacets from different perspectives right but i've never heard that because a lot of people do you know they hear about you know breast cancer and doing something good for the cause or wearing pink right but i don't think they really know what they're fighting for or what the cause is so can you kind of elaborate on that i mean other than just supporting those who have it what is the actual cause i mean just yeah. kind of let, let our listeners know about that you know because beyond wearing pink or supporting someone that has breast cancer. Yeah, I'm really glad that you approached the question in that way because so much of the negative backlash that kind of the breast cancer industry gets is I'm tired of the pink, stop shoving it down our throats, you know. The really unique thing about National Breast Cancer Foundation and what sets us apart from other breast cancer charities in this space is that we were established to help women now. So, so few charities that you've heard of, once they find you find the lump, it's like, who do you call then? Well, you're not calling a breast cancer charity that was established for research. And I'm here to tell you that we're so grateful that there are so many of those that exist to help with breast cancer research because we're not the experts in that that sector. And so we need to implore them to really genuinely be amazing at the breast cancer research. But think of everything after. So NBCF was established to help with things such as education and early detection to screening and diagnostics to treatment, survivorship, and beyond. And I really do want to talk to you a little bit about the beyond. Absolutely. But it's important to us that we help women along all stages of their breast cancer journey, no matter where they may be, and that we don't let them fall through the cracks of that foundation along the journey of breast cancer. So we're just really proud that you know, not only do we help women, no matter where they are, we find mm-hmm. our partners where they are, we find our fundraisers where they are. And to be quite honest, we found our medical partners where they are. And that's how we're able to provide our grants for them. Where can they find you to get in contact if they need more information, if they want help, or if they want to contribute in some way if they're a medical practitioner? Where, like, what's the best way for them to get in contact with either you or someone that's a part of the team? Yeah, no, I appreciate that. So you can find information on National Breast Cancer Foundation at nbcf.org, like nationalbreastcancerfoundation.org. But I'm also extremely happy to give out my personal email address. The unique thing about NBCF is that we only have 35 employees. And so while we do technically have titles in different departments, we all exist to be fundraisers, to be development, to be our programs team, honestly, to kind of be the heart and the hands of our mission and to really to help people, right? And so Ashley Miller, my email address is amiller at nbcf.org. And I'm telling you, I get emails day and night and we're always here to help. I know we really promote Breast Cancer Month 
in in October. What are you guys doing on the other 11 months? No, that's a great question. So, you know, the unfortunate reality of the breast cancer um, world is that our blessing and our curse is that 80% of our funding will come to the foundation during the month of October, but mm -hmm. we really need individuals to think about us every day of the year, right? I will say NBCF does a great job at really taking a lot of our efforts and our fundraising and putting those in the spring. We really, people seem to think about it a lot during Mother's Day. And so we've taken advantage of that. Just, um, we have a really cool campaign that we do every year called Keep Her in the Picture. And it's mm. where individuals will submit photos of their mothers and just meaningful moments, whether it's a legacy photo or maybe a photo of their mother currently going through treatment or even as she was diagnosed. But I'm really glad that you asked that because it's a very challenging position to be in to remind people, think about us all the time and don't wait until it's too late. We want to educate mm. people before they find the lump. We want to educate them before they don't have the money for treatment. Although the beautiful reality is that NBCF is here to help if and when those things happen. Great. So, so tell, tell us a little bit about the beyond portion that, that, yes. um, of what yes. you guys do. So we're so proud to have women, you know, along all stages of the breast cancer journey. I love that you said you guys had the husband of a female who had been diagnosed with breast mm -hmm. cancer. We focus a lot on the caregiver as well. We understand and appreciate that the caregiver looks different in every situation. It could be a spouse, it could be a child, it could be a friend, it could be a sibling, but we, we are really happy to educate them and to take care of them and to make sure that they're 110% because if they're not, they're never going to be there for the individual diagnosed with breast cancer. The other side to that are these women that are stage four, the breast cancer has metastasized to different parts of their body. So those are, these women genuinely feel like a forgotten about demographic. So they don't identify with the word survivor. They don't identify with the pink ribbon. In fact, most of them don't like the color pink and I understand that. So we do metastatic retreats. We do about 20 of those throughout the United States in a given year. Wow. And that is a weekend where NBCF will pay for 10 individuals that have been diagnosed with breast cancer and their caregiver to get away for a three-day weekend. So think about it kind of like a spa retreat. And what we do is we take our patient navigators from our different hospital partners around the world, and mm -hmm. we help them plan their end of life. And it's a very beautiful, beautiful thing. If, if I have time to tell you just a quick story, I'd love to. Absolutely. We recently did one of those retreats with a very young mother. She was about 28 years old and she had a three-year-old daughter. And at this particular retreat, her caregiver, she wasn't married. She was, like I said, a very young mother. So her caregiver was just her best friend. Mm. So she brought her girlfriend to the retreat. And the first thing that we did at that retreat is we separated the patient and the caregiver. And the first thing we ask them, no matter who it is, is what is your greatest fear? Because we know that we need to be very meaningful during that 72 hours to address their biggest fear. This young mother said, well, you know, my, my biggest fear is I've got this really young daughter. I've got a three-year-old daughter and I want my best friend to adopt her. You know, I know my days are numbered, but I don't know how to have that conversation. She said, wow. it's hard enough to ask people to babysit while I was going through treatment or while I was at a doctor's appointment, but I genuinely just, I would love for her to adopt her. And so simultaneously, we're in the opposite room and um, the patient navigator asked her friend and we said, what is your greatest fear? 
And she said, well, I want to adopt my friend's daughter, but I don't know how to say that. Oh. How do you say, <laughs> I want to be the mother, right? So yeah. just to put it into perspective, we were able to bring in adoption attorneys and take care of the legal paperwork that weekend. And she passed away two weeks later. Wow. And I mean, that, that child, their life, not only do we honor her mother's legacy and her wishes mm -hmm. by taking care of that and the expenses and the legalities, but more importantly, her daughter has a future now. And so I think, you know, people, people think, oh, they're stage four, it's metastatic, it's kind of a lost cause. And NBCF is like, absolutely not. Like the, the other flip side to that is I can't tell you how many times we've done that in real small towns, you know, where y'all know, because you do this show, these breast surgeons, a lot of them don't have the opportunity for continuing education or the latest and greatest. A lot of the towns don't have the medical equipment or the resources that we're blessed to have, you know, like in the Dallas DFW Metroplex. So one of, one of these retreats we were doing around Robin and this lady said, you know, I've come to the end, I've tried everything and it's just really unfortunate. And then the next lady went to share and she said, well, I just started my Herceptin, which, you know, is a very common pill in, in the breast cancer world. And um, the lady said, what, what did you start? And she said, well, Herceptin, we've all, we've all probably been on some form of that. The lady mm -hmm. had never heard of it. She started it. She lived for two more years. Oh, wow. It's just incredible what these retreats, you know, have been able to do. And I'll tell you from a male perspective, yeah, we did one in Graham, Texas recently. And for the first time in 30 years, every single caregiver that attended that retreat was a male. And we thought what an amazing opportunity that we get to learn from all husbands at this retreat. Mm -hmm. So we handed each of them a marker when they walked into the room and we said, walk up to the whiteboard and write your greatest fear. I thought it's going to be, I've got to buy tampons for my kids. I've got to do the wedding <laughs> dress. I've got to do the prom, you know, do you want to know what they said? I can't fix it. Mm. And that wow. taught us so much, a very mature foundation. We don't know it all. We learn something new every day, but it was amazing because that's such a male mentality and it helps us grow as a foundation to learn how caregivers think. And so we can shift our focus to, well, you might not be able to fix it, but you know what? Don't, don't put the plates from the dishwasher up high because she can't reach mm -hmm. and don't set the temperature too cold or too hot, you know, how to make things more comfortable along the journey. So we're always learning. Wow. I'm getting chills, man. I, I'd say, Ashley, thank you so much for even sharing those stories because that's a perspective many people don't get to see or experience one. And you touched on so many life lessons and just that, like li literally sharing information you may think that no one cares about, but then seeing the mother, um, the mother and her friend both had the same mindset, but they were just didn't know how to say it until they spoke about it. Right. And then on the husband aspect, right. Just man, when uh, Matt came in, he didn't per se say like he can't fix it, but he's just like, I, I didn't know what to do. Like she did all the research and all I can do is just be there to be supportive because mm -hmm. there's nothing else that I knew how to do. And that's, I think that is what bothered him with so, in so many words, he said just that though, you know what I mean? And, right. and wow, that's, wow. You, you took the icing off the cake. <laughs> Actually, thank you yeah, so I much for sharing that. those stories. You know, the other side to it is really being a resource to these employers. So mm -hmm. while we're not HR experts, a lot of the challenging thing for employers can be navigating breast cancer in the workplace. 
And one of the things that surprised us, we had a young lady on staff. Um, she was actually diagnosed with breast cancer while she was pregnant. But she told us, you know, she went through her treatment and she returned to work and she wore a beautiful wig every single day. And she said the first thing that happened when she came back to work, this was that her former employer, is somebody walked up to her and said, girl, you just look beautiful. You would never know in a million years that that was a wig. And I mean, that's something I would say. I would think that's a compliment. And she said that it just devastated her because she just would rather somebody not acknowledge it and to just kind of go with the flow and treat her like they used to. So we've spent years and years compiling a presentation for employers and for HR departments on how to navigate breast cancer in the workplace. So simple things to say, what not to say, down to the chair heights and desk, you know, way to move your desk around to the temperature gauges like we talked about. So we're really proud to have resources and suggestions and advice like that for employers. So how often do you guys do that for employers? Like do the employers have to reach out to you? And let's say in uh, Keith's example, one of his employees had breast cancer and she had to go through surgery. So would it be a matter of him reaching out to you as an employer to say, hey, you know, I would like some type of training or education so my staff can be more understanding or knowledgeable of the situation? Is yeah, that kind of how it, it normally goes? It comes in tons of ways. So we get a right. lot of inbound from the website, mm-hmm. especially during the month of October, as I'm sure you can imagine. Mm-hmm. A lot of social media, but a lot of it for us is just about the relationship. So I'll tell you a lot of what kind of catapulted NBCF at the beginning was our cause marketing. So a lot of times if you're at the store and you see during the month of October, like Procter & Gamble, for example, will turn a lot of their products pink or, you know, put the pink ribbon on there. And we do have a proprietary ribbon or maybe the logo on there. A lot of the success from MBCF started out because we have the word national in our name. It's funny that the Hales tell the story at the beginning that people were, and this was before the internet, right? But people were knocking on their door and saying, we want to do these huge campaigns with you and these huge partnerships. And they said they never said no at the beginning if it was the right fit for the brand, just because Mm -hmm. they knew they had to take these big chances. And so because of the cause marketing campaigns, it allowed NBCF to keep these relationships year over year, not during, just during BCAN, Breast Cancer Awareness Month, but just during very meaningful seasons of these individuals' lives. And the relationship is so important to us because what may start out as a a bottle of downy that Mm -hmm. turned pink during the month of October could turn into maybe an executive who has a suspicious finding who then on an individual basis needs us. Or more often than not, it's an executive or an employee saying, look, my sister's cousin in such and such part of the U.S. needs you. What can we do to help? And so for us, it's just about the relationship and being available if and when we're needed. If I personally knew someone that was going through breast cancer and like now, of course, there's not like, you know, you don't get surgery removed and then it's done. It doesn't just go away. Right. So if they are having issues, let's say navigating, finding a right doctor treatment, can I say, hey, well, contact National Breast Cancer Foundation and see what they can do for you or what kind of programs they can kind of tell you? Does it work that way as well? Or does it have to be kind of at the initial stages, they find out and then they contact you? How to- yeah, no, that's a great question. So we mm-hmm. we help women along all stages of the breast cancer journey. And one of the programs that um, you referenced there is our patient navigation program. Okay. So, um, you know, one of the things that we realized early on, so one of our partners here in Dallas is Parkland, if you're familiar with Parkland Hospital. Mm-hmm. 
was a huge blessing and honor for me. The first week I started, I got to actually go down to the breast center just to learn a little bit about what it's like. And when I walked into the waiting room, I was just really surprised because, and this was years ago, mind you, but the, the waiting room was full of women and there were children, you know, at their feet and keep in mind, I was pregnant at the time. And I was just really confused. Like it was like a Tuesday, right? I'm like, why are all these kids not in school? Like I didn't really understand when, when we did our due diligence as a foundation, we found out that there's so many barriers to care. A lot of times people think, well, it's um, lack of knowledge or it's lack of, of finances. Well, it, it's even more simple than that. Those children happened to be in the waiting room that day, I found out, because their parents didn't speak English. And so they bring their children along with them to, more often than not, give a cancer diagnosis, which is completely unacceptable. I mean, it's just completely unacceptable. So NBCF started really digging, and we realized that these women may come into the hospital. Some of them would get a positive diagnosis and then never come back. Some of them would have a suspicious finding and never come back. And we realized that a lot of them didn't have transportation. So we're like, great, we'll fund Ubers and Lyft and we pay for bus vouchers. A lot of them didn't English, right? Mm -hmm. So we made sure that the patient navigators that we staff at our hospitals throughout the U.S. are bilingual. That was a really big thing for us. A lot of them didn't have childcare. You know, I can completely relate to that as the mother of young children, but we provide childcare for them. But more importantly, a patient navigator, their salary for us is about $80,000 a year. We can place them in these hospitals that need them to make sure again, that the women don't fall through the cracks of the foundation. So they're there to be their accountability partner. They're calling them and saying, don't forget your appointments tomorrow. You know, hey, you didn't show up for your appointment. What's going on? Is there something that I can help with? They're also there to hold their hand. So mm. they go to the appointments with them. You know, the medical jargon, especially for me, and I've, I've been in this world for a few years now, but it's, it's so complex. Oh, yeah, trust me, <laughs> I'm learning. You know, even more than that, it's emotional. I mean, yeah. you don't hear anything after you hear the word cancer. It's like it just block, you black out, right? Mm -hmm, and mm -hmm. so staffing these patient navigators that are hospital partners throughout the US has been so impactful. And what we're finding is that more women are surviving this disease because they can. And a lot of it, it goes beyond, oh, well, I just can't afford this. I think people really confuse what these barriers are, but it could be as simple as watching somebody's child for an hour so they can go in for a mammogram. Women never put themselves first. You guys know this. It's your wives, your moms, your sisters. Like we're natural born caregivers. And again, that's a blessing and a curse. And so our patient <laughs> navigators remind them to put themselves first. On the medical jargon, you're absolutely right. That that can play a role in how somebody can recover or handle a situation as well. So we had to, we actually had a podcast initially when we first started about words of affirmation. Because like, let's say if I'm going to get surgery, I don't want to hear I got a 20% chance or all these, you know, maybe this or can cause death or don't, you know, like mm -hmm. these, those aren't words that make you go into it positively. And even afterwards, you're it's always going to be on your mind. So I agree 100% that the medical jargon has to change or evolve in a way where it's it's not only just understandable to the to the doctor and the nurses, but the patient understands what's going on, what it means, and it also has to be more affirming, right? Don't you know you got cancer? Of course, nobody wants to hear that because yeah. instantly. I'm so like, glad you said that. You know, that's one of the other things that sets us apart is NBCF. Our mission is a hope-filled journey. So mm. we're never going to be the type of foundation that says, you know, beat cancer, kick cancer. Again, the reality is that one in eight women will be diagnosed in their lifetime. So for us, it's all a journey of hope. It's more of, you know, if and when it happens, we've got you. 
And we take a lot of pride in that because the reality is everybody isn't going to beat it. But you know what? We can make sure that their journey and even, like I said, the after, the legacy that they leave is one that's really effective and efficient. We just, we love being good stewards of women and their families during that journey. But I love that you say that you have to have words of affirmation. You have to just, you have to understand that you got to meet people where they are and then you have Mm -hmm. to be positive. Absolutely. Absolutely. I remember my question now. So (laughs) is there a standard of care? when someone is diagnosed with breast cancer? Like is it a routine or do you see like there's different things that a patient has to go through? Yeah, it's very different. So a common misconception is that you go see the breast cancer doctor, right? I mean, women could see 12 to 15 doctors if they're lucky during a journey like that. And not only that, but it's, it's very different throughout the U.S. I mean, healthcare is so different. Insurance is so different. I mean, NBCF primarily serves the underinsured and the non-insured. I can tell you all three of us are underinsured. We're all underinsured right now, right? <laughs> and so it, it's a, a very different journey for everybody. But the thing that I love about NBCF is whether it's, you know, like I said, the early detection and the education to the screening and the diagnostics, the treatment, survivorship and beyond, no matter where they're at in their journey, we love being able to connect them to our hospital partners and our patient navigators to make sure that we navigate them where they're at in their journey. The important thing to that is not only from a chronological standpoint, but it's also like where they live. I mean, Mm -hmm. I could be treated very different if I live in a really small town versus a town like Dallas where we have a technology and specialist. And so the other part that I really love about NBCF is that we are not afraid to say, if we can't find the solution, if we can't help you, we'll connect you to somebody who can. And I think a lot of people look at the breast cancer industry and the different charities and they think, man, you guys are competing for donors and partnerships and funds. And we're like, no, like we have to be supportive of one another because there's going to be situations that I can't help with. And mm-hmm. I need you to be amazing at what you do. Cause I'm going to turn this family over to you and people don't realize it's a life. You know, it's not a lead. It's not a dog. Yeah. That's a person. Absolutely. Absolutely. We're all yeah. going to be better. That's a great way to look at it. Yeah. Absolutely. It's a life. Yeah. yeah. I like your perspective of putting it, putting it that way. Like it's not, it's not a competition. We're here for one purpose. That purpose is to help those who need the help and educate them. And I'll tell you, I just can't stop thinking of that beyond that beyond program that you guys have because it's just so impactful. I can only imagine if I was going through a situation that I feel like I'm alone in and I can't get out of, and it's either life or death situation. That that right there, just knowing that you're in a group of people who are supportive, other than the month of October, that's, I mean, that's you can, money can't beat that, right? That's and, true. And I'll tell you, speaking of money, something that may really surprise you is that a weekend like that, for, like I said, 10 individuals and their caregivers with all of our patient navigators, the housing, the room, the board, the food, everything is only $18,000. Wow. When you think of in terms of, you know, I'm going to make a donation to a breast cancer charity. I'm going to, I'm going to go donate to NBCF. You know, the average cost of a mammogram is $150, but the, the trajectory of somebody's life was forever changed because of one of these retreats. $18,000 isn't a lot of money when you think about what you can do for 10 families. That is, you know, I like that so much, Ashley, because one, a lot of people don't donate because they were like, oh, well, I don't know where the money's going or what they're really doing with it. But that little, that transparency, what you just shared right there is like, listen, Keith, if you could donate this and I could donate that, we're already halfway goal there of helping 
10 families. And a lot of people don't donate because they feel like they don't know. And so I appreciate you and thank you for being transparent about that because that's huge. And I hope that our listeners do donate just on that behalf because you know where the money's going. And I know that any way that we can personally help, I mean, I, I would love to know about any upcoming events in October or outside of October that I can be a part of. Any ways that we can help, we, we would love to. Yeah, no, I appreciate that. Call to actions are my jam. You know, the <laughs> unique thing about life during a pandemic, work during a pandemic is that events have been challenging, right? Mm-hmm. So um, especially for the immune compromise, these women that really need us the most, we haven't had the opportunity to do a lot of life with them in person. But one of the programs that we have the biggest need with right now, speaking of a tangible expression of hope, is our Hope Kit program. So about four years ago, NBCF saw as we were kind of deepening our roots locally, really widening and um, broadening our community relations efforts was the opportunity to provide a tangible way for these people we've talked about. So whether it's an individual that's been diagnosed, whether it's a corporate partner, a major donor, or even the hospital partners, and really to expand our volunteer program for them to come together to get their hands dirty. Breast cancer is not really a tangible thing. Like you said, it's hard mm-hmm. to do that. So we did some due diligence and we we talked to women that were undergoing treatment and said, what do you need when you're going through chemo? What do you need when you're going through radiation? And these women said, well, you know, our stomachs hurt, our feet get cold or our lips get chapped. And so what we did is our programs team carefully sourced meaningful items that can go into what we call our hope kit that can be funded and sent to women all throughout the U.S. when they need it most. So think of items like warm fuzzy socks to keep their feet warm, unscented lotion, unscented chapstick, warm tea because they get so nauseous, you know, like a a Yeti mug so that their tea stays warm. We really wanted it to be items that didn't go on a shelf to be pretty. Again, it's not about shoving the pink ribbon down somebody's throat, but more about every item in that box being used. We included a journal that has mindful prompts because research shows that when women can actively journal, you know, while they're going through treatment, that that can help them from an emotional and a mental state. And they actually can survive longer when things like that happen. But the average cost of a hope kit for us with the cardboard box, the paper that goes in it down to the stickers and the shipping, it's about $50. That's independent of the gift and kind that we get for a lot of those items. But when that program started at the beginning, people were coming in and we had these huge partners that were donating to it and funding these hope kits. And I tell you, I challenge you to not think about $50 a hope kit, but $50 a female, right? So for only $50, you could sponsor a female. It started out that we were just like, man, we really hope people are into it. Well, now we have an active wait list of 4,300 women that are actively waiting on hope kits throughout the United States. The unfortunate reality is these are women that are sitting in the chemo chair that may never see the box. Mm -hmm. So it's our goal to eliminate that wait list. And so for about $50 a female, you can sponsor one of these hope kits being delivered to her when she needs it the most. Uh, I like that. I'm thinking too. now how I can be creative and get the word out for it. For sure. For sure. And and I mean, this is a start right here. So all our listeners know that you can donate in any way possible, mm-hmm. right? Go to NBCF.org or just contact Ashley Miller at a.miller at NBCF.org. Yep. And A. Miller at NBCF.org. A. Miller. A. Miller. Sorry. Make it even easier for you. Leave out the dot. 
<laughs> yeah, right. But yeah, and and that's that that's a start. These hope kit packing parties have been amazing because a company can say, look, here's a check for five thousand dollars, or they can say, here's a check for five thousand dollars, and we can say, great, so let's ship you all the supplies for the hope kits. We can ship them to the employees' homes or wherever they're working, and then we can do virtual packing parties on Zoom where everybody has an opportunity to place a meaningful item in a kit, and then they get to put that shipping label on there, and you may live in Dallas, Texas, and you're sending one to Omaha, Nebraska, mm -hmm. and it's like, what a difference I just made for a female and her family when she needs it most. It's been a really cool way to kind of get our partners and our volunteers engaged. Thank you so much for your time and all the useful information and, and personal stories, Ashley. I really appreciate it. Thank you very much. And um, if you have any lasting messages you'd like to leave for our listeners. Yeah, no, just, you know, NBCF was established to help women now. We're proud to be different because we're helping women in the moment when they need it most. Mm -hmm. um, we're proud to not have different brick and mortars throughout the U.S. Our funding goes where we say it's going to go. We're a four-star charity. That's the highest of the high because your money goes where it says it's going. And we're really proud of that. And again, for us, it's not so much about awareness in the form of the pink ribbon. It's awareness that NBCF exists and we exist for everybody all the time. So we love for individuals just to come to us. And if we can't help them, we will find somebody who can. Excellent. Excellent. Thank you very much, Ashley. Wow, that's pretty great, man. I'm glad that Ashley decided to share all those personal stories. And I, I really got chills when she started to tell them. Yeah, one of the things I took away from that was the patient navigators and how they have them on site for um, the different uh, facilities. And so, yeah. Mm -hmm. And one thing that really stood out was how she she really let the listeners know where the money goes. She also... Let transparent. The, yeah. She was very transparent, Yeah. And, but she also let them know that it's, it's not a competition between organizations. They're, they're here for only one purpose. Yep, and that's the life purpose. Exactly, exactly. So to all our listeners out there, make sure you, you go get checked if you're a guy or girl. Also, if you need more information or you know someone that's suffering from breast cancer, make sure you get them the right help. Contact Ashley and, and her colleagues at the National Breast Cancer Foundation. At the end of the day, don't just wait until October, you know, to get checked or get screened. Mm -hmm. You guys should make sure you're doing it throughout the month, throughout the year as needed. But yeah, just don't wait until October. I agree. I agree. Well, thanks for listening. Make sure you subscribe and tune into our next episodes. Next month, we got the special edition of Military Veterans. Yep. Stay tuned.